Today's off discusses buying, getting things from a shamery Paris, what's considered stolen, buying from a thief, what do we do with a moiser's money and former's money, how stealing is like stealing one's soul, taking from woman, taking from God Boim, the guidelines of being a tailor, why the tailor's allowed to cut off, what is his and what's the bias is taken from a weaver, a tanner. What's Allah with the tailor's extra threads? The Mishnah had said that you're not allowed to take stuff from a uh, fruit watcher. The fruit may very well be stolen in the wood. Rav bought vines from a shear cropper. And Abayah said, hold on a second, Matthew, you're not allowed to buy wood or fruit from a fruit watcher. So he says, yeah, an Oris is a little different because an Oris actually owns a stake in the field. And so I can assume, we can assume that, that the Oris is selling you from his portion as opposed to the regular Shomer who has no ownership in the field at all. Next thing brings a bride that says that Shomer Paris, you're allowed to buy from them as long as they're selling it out in the open, their baskets are in front of them, the scales are in front of them. That's clearly a, an upright show up standing a non-stolen business but if they tell you uh, to hide the things which you're buying then it's us you're also only allowed to buy from them at the front of the garden not the back door next thing Mar says at what point are you allowed to buy anything from a goslin how do you know you're not just buying stolen goods so Rav says if Roiv of his property is his you can assume that what you're buying is from the Roiv Shmuel says even if something is his, you could be toloi on that miut and say, I'm buying the thing which he actually does own that isn't stolen. If Yehuda Paskin uh, told his Eved Ado that even a miut is enough. Next, the Gemara says that the money of an informer, if Huna and if Yehuda disagree what to do with it, one says that it's free for all, just like he is. You can do whatever you want with it, throw it out. And the other one says that you can't actively destroy his property. The one that says that you're allowed to just destroy it, well, it's not more hummer than the person himself. And the moiser, if he falls into a pit, you just let him rot and die. The one that says you can't do it with your hand says that you never know, he might have some upstanding children who would yarish in it. And the Pasuk says, Yochan Rosh of the Gilbash, that maybe the father was just preparing. Even though he was a Russia, he was just preparing the estate for Yosher children, his tzaddik children, to inherit. So don't just throw it out actively. Mr. had a sharecropper who used to weigh out exactly his portion and Rav Chista's portion. And he fired him. He said, the pasuk v'tzofan l'tzaddik chaya choytei. This is Rashi has two opinions of what exactly was wrong here. He wasn't giving him any extra. He wasn't being cautious about stealing. He was doing exactly 50-50, something like that. Next thing Mark brings a passage of Ki matik v'chonav ki yivotza ki yoshal le'anafshoi. Avuna and Avchista learned this psukum differently. One says that when you steal from a person, the thief is losing his soul. The other one says that the one who's getting s- stolen from, the nigzal, is losing his soul. One that says the Goslin is losing his soul by stealing brings the pasuk Kain Oruchus Kain Boitzeya Betzas Nefesh Balaviyikach. The one that says that's the Goslin, that's the that's the Nigzal. The one that says that the Goslin is the one that's losing his soul, the thief, brings the pasuk Al Tigzol Dal Ki Dal Hu Al Tinzcha Oni Vesha. And the pasuk says Ki Hashem Yorav Riva Mekava Eskoveim Nefesh. 
Another one takes the pasuk of Nefesh Balavikach and says that the Bailov is referring to the one who now owns it, the Gazlin. And the one who says that the pasuk talking about the Nigzal takes the pasuk of the Kavayas Kaveim Nefesh says that the Nigzal Gazlin is losing out because he wanted to steal the Nigzal's soul by stealing from him. Next to Birchanan says, we have four Psukhan that tell us that stealing is like stealing one soul. Birchanan brings a Pasuk. First, Cain, Orchus, Nefesh, Balavikach. It also says, And third, it says, The fourth Pasuk is Al Shol, the Al Beis Hadomim, Al Asher. Hamis as Hagevornim. Why do we need the extra three Psukim? One, the Chayra should have been enough. Or explain it as if I would have thought that you're only taking his soul, not his children's. That's why we had the Pasuk of Basar Bonov Uvenoisov. And if you would have thought that if you pay him for the thievery, then it's okay. No, it says, Mechomos Benesol, Noki That's even if you paid. And if you would have thought that when you do a Begromo, you're not stealing their soul. That's what the Pasuk says about Shaul, who didn't literally kill the Gevoinim, but by wiping out and killing Noiv Irakoyanim, who used to supply food and water to the Gevoinim, to the is as if even Begrama, he killed the Gevoinim. Now the Gemara says regarding taking from women, that you, you can assume it's not stolen. You can take from them wool and Yehuda, flax and the Galil. You can't take wine and oil and flour from Avodim or children. From women, Avodim or children. Abashal says that you can take four or five dinar from, for, from a woman when, if she's buying a head covering. Because that much we assume isn't stolen. That her husband allows. Uh, gave her that to buy the head covering. But again, in any case, if if she, the Evid, the, the cotton, whoever it is, says that, uh, oh, you know, it, here's the money, here's the item, but hide it, that's a bad sign. That's us here to go through with. Can't do that deal. A guy like Stucco, you're allowed to take little things from them, but not big numbers. If you're taking big stuff, that there, where Chesher said it was stolen. The olive pressers, you're allowed to take large amounts of olives and oil that we assume there's nothing shading going on but little amounts maybe he's shaving it off the side that you can't buy from the olive pressers if Shimon Gamliel says you can take you can buy olives from women around Yom Tov time in the Galil because often uh, in those days uh, a lot of this is cultural the husband wouldn't want to sell it sell it himself so he gives it to his wife to sell Ravino was by Bechuzah. And the Bechuzah came with golden necklaces and earrings and decorations. And he, he took it from them. Rabbi says, Rabbi Tuspo tells Ravino, one second, the Bryce says, they only allowed to take little things from the Kavei Tzedakah, not big things. These are big things, No. So Ravina answered over here in the Bnei Chuzah, they're so rich that this for, this for them is considered little things. In the next mission we learn that threads that a launderer gets from the clothing that he's laundering, those he's allowed to keep. A comber who gets lots and lots of threads, again in those days threads were worth a lot, that goes back to the Balabayas.
A launderer is allowed to take three threads. There were these three threads that were put in, originally woven, that were meant to be taken out at the end of the beged. And the launderer took it out to even out the clothing. He was allowed to keep those. Anything more than three goes to the balabayas. If it was black on white, then he could keep those. All those are meant to be taken out and the launderer could keep those. A tailor who has extra thread beyond his needle, there's enough thread to sew with, or there's a piece of cloth that's three by three fingers. That is big enough that it goes to the balabayas. He can't keep it. A carpenter, the shavings that come off, he get to keep. The bigger chips go to the balabayas. If he's working by the balabayas, though, everything stays by him, even the sawdust. In the Gemara, we learn that you're allowed to buy threads from a launderer because the launderer is allowed to keep certain threads. We could assume that they're his. And here it says that the launderer is allowed to keep two upper threads, but not more than three stitches. He also has the comet. Chassis, or if not chassis, whatever the normal way to do it was in those days. And when he's straining it out, uh, cutting it down to size, he does that by the length, doesn't cut on the width. And he's able to also even it out up to a tefach. That's normal for a tailor to cut, chip away at a beggar. The Gemara asks, I, we learned three sh- threads were acceptable to take off, and are you telling me no more than two? Oh, the Gemara says it depends on the size of the thread. You can take two big threads or three little threads. The Gemara says, you also, you're telling me that you only comb it orev, not chassis, down, not across. Might be vice versa. We have a price that says the abbasid. So the Gemara says it depends on the baguette. A glima, a weekday baguette, is one direction. And a sarvala, a fancy baguette, goes the other direction. You tell me, I only let it take out Three stitches, no more, of Yirmiya says. If you put it in a loop and it comes out, does that count as a stitch or does it need to be? Or is that already a second stitch? Is that, does that count as two or is that one? We leave that with a take or Leona will tell us very soon. Maybe Bisco's finishing Baba Kama. Every take who should make us want Eliyahu I always said to, to straighten out the beggar, to, to cut it down to size, you do it length and not widthwise. We have a bracelet that says the opposite. So again, that depends if you're doing a full beggar or just a belt. Now the Gemara tells us we have a bracelet that says don't take by threads from a comer because the comer guy, if you recall, he's not allowed to keep the threads for himself, so these may be stolen. But if the minig is that the comer is allowed to keep it for himself, then you can't buy it from him. The, the rabbit explains that when it's a, a, an expected shino, it's part of it, that's not koine. So it would still be a stolen item that you would, that you would be buying if that's not the minok. You're always allowed to buy a full bunch of these threads because the shinoi that the gazlan did uh, makes it that he was coined it and you're not, you're not stealing a, a stolen item. It's now his property. He has to deal with the, with the Geneva himself. Now the Gemara says when, you, when you're buying things from a weaver, you're not allowed to buy even nirin, punkalin, or shiure, pakio, all these different parts of the weaving materials. You are allowed to buy a spotted beged, an orev, shesi, a woven or spun beged. Those patches aren't stolen. The Gemara says, what's the chiddush? You could buy a complete thing if you could just buy a woven or a spun piece of cloth. 
Gemara says, Arig doesn't mean a full baguette. It means a thread chain, a whole bunch of threads tied together. That you're allowed to buy. That's still a Chiddush. Gemara says, when, when it comes to buying from a dyer, you're not allowed to take from him uh, samples because those may have been given to him from the buyers as a, as a, a dogma. You can't buy tufts of wool from him you, because, again, that, that might not be his. But you can't take dyed clothing and begotten uh, that were spun. Nicomar says, one second, if you could just buy uh, spun wool, uh, of course you, you could buy an entire bagot from him. That's definitely not stolen. Nicomar says, it doesn't mean real begotten. It means just felt, which is pressed. There's no full shinoi there, so it might still be stolen item. Kamash Malon that uh, you're allowed to buy those as well. Next, the Gemara tells us that if you give a hide to be tanned, the pieces that come off during the tanning process are property of the balabais. But the little pieces that float up when they're being soaked in water, those belong, are property of the tanner. Behuda tells us that a launderer is called a ktsara. He, and he also tells us that at the edge of the tzitzis corner, everything is part of that trellis of the tzitzis, and his son is makbed to take that out when he's laundering. That's a whole sugya of uh, tzitzis. Now, when it comes to uh, Taylor, the Gemara asks, how much is he able to cut off? As he says, it's a needle's length beyond a needle. So the Gemara says, one second, does that mean a little bit past a needle? Or does that mean two needles lengths? So the Gemara brings right from a bride. So that says that the tailor who leaves it over... He has leftover thread beyond his needle... Enough to sew up a baguette, a matlis, which is less than three by three fingers. If the balabayas is makbid on that amount of thread, then it's property of the balabayas. If not, then the tailor gets to keep it. Now, hold on a second. If... The only amount that you need to be makbid on is a tiny bit past the needle... What are you going to do with that extra length? You can't even make a loop out of it. If you, at least if you have two needles length, you'll have, you'll have something to do with that. Shmami no, it has to be that we're talking about two full needles lengths. Otherwise, that price wouldn't make any sense. Now, when it comes to a carpenter, it seems like we have a steer because we learn elsewhere that whatever scraps come off from the carpenter go to the balabayas. So anything that comes out from underneath the tool itself has these carpentering uh, that he gets to keep. So Rava explains it really is just a matter of location and language. In one place they call it a smaller tool like shiel and uh, the, the bigger one is or the, the, bigger, the bigger one is the shiel and the little one, the little tool, carpenter tool is called a matzad and in the other place they call both of them a matzad. But it's not actually a stereo.
Next, the Gemara says that if someone is chiseling stones, there's no gazela in keeping the pieces that come off. If someone is pruning trees, or vin- v- uh, a vineyard, vines, or a gardener, if the balabayas is makbid, then all the things that he trims off go to the balabayas. If not, then the pruner, the gardener, gets to keep it himself. Rav Yehuda says that these little uh, brushes, that the bushes, no gazelle in trimming those, unless it's actually a place where people are makbid and consider that stealing. Ravina says that in Masya Machyo, Maso Mechasyo, that's one of those places where they are makbid on it. Rashi explains he doesn't want to end off Masechta on being on a hakpodo. He says that that was a place where the, where the animals used to graze and they needed it for Mare Toiv. He finishes off the Masechta with, 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 with the word Toiv. They used to use this brush for their grazing. Which began discussing the Arba Ovois and the Zike and the Toldois and the Ovois. Baruch Hashem, we've, we've discovered, discovered and journeyed through so many incredible sogi since then. Be'ez Hashem, tomorrow we'll start Baba Metziah, the second of the three Babas, one gigantic Mesechta, maybe landing up on Hakpada isn't such a kasha because it's not actually the end of a Mesechta. We're only, we're only just getting started. Thank you for learning with me. Have a wonderful day.